0: Hey everyone, this is Wasabi. Thank you for listening to the Wannabes Podcast 1v1 series. This episode is with Nikki, the 83rd best player in the world and Germany's number one at the moment. We delve into his origin story, the challenges of living in the European scene, his motivations and mentality for the game, and the content that he wants to produce this year to help mid level players get better. I had a lot of fun with this episode, and hopefully you will too. Follow us on at the WannaBees Pod for more episodes like this. Enjoy! Welcome everyone to another 1v1 episode. This time I have a special guest hailing from Germany. Someone that I've been really excited to talk to since uh, I got to first play him at Shine last year. Uh, He's sponsored by some of my good friends from Makeshift. Now with another sponsor, uh, CGN. And uh, so yeah, I wanted to welcome Dominic Nikki Kunze how you doing nikki i'm doing great how about you i'm doing well i'm doing well it's early a little early it's uh 10:30, but you know i know the it's you guys are six hours ahead so yeah it's afternoon for you guys right oh uh, yeah it's like 4:30. nice yeah we're all doing well can't complain start of the weekend but yeah so thank you again so much for coming on i'm really excited since like yeah, since we got to play at Shine and then like a little bit at Genesis, though you were sick during then. Yeah,
1: I was. But Are playing you, gonna... you at Shine was really fun because it was very memorable. The way you brought your laptop and then just recorded every set you played it was super cool.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I that's something that I like started doing since I started playing melee, and it's been really helpful. Though now Slippy's kind of make made it a little bit outdated, but oh, I yeah, still like doing true. it. And, um, yeah, I remember, didn't we talk about, um, like, the money match culture in U.S. majors versus other, like, the European scene?
1: Yeah, that's a very interesting topic, because, you know, in Europe, we're all, we want uh, both the good players and the bad players to have as much fun as possible. So, if a good player walks around asking, yo, does anyone want a money match? Then, a lot of the times, they're just not going to get a response. Because uh, people, they don't expect you to play them for free, but they're also not as willing to pay in order to play you.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So if you, like, at Shine, I saw Fatrin just run around the venue asking people for money matches for, like, three hours straight. And I was like, damn, I want to do that too. But then I tried doing that, uh, like, two weeks later at Superboo, and people would just look at me weird and be like, no, (laughs) go away. (laughs) We just want to play item matches on... High roll tempo. Yeah, it's kind of sad as a top player who needs money to fly to big tournaments, but it's also not as bad. There's always a few people who are really motivated um, to get as many chances to play the top
0: players as possible. But yeah, it's
1: not, mm. it's easier in the US for
0: sure. Yeah, definitely. Like, even at locals, people are <laughs> running around, like, at Hax's nightclub, like, asking for money matches and stuff. It's just something that you. That, you know, it's sort of just, like, part of the local scene even in some areas. But I think, like, it's not even about, like, the money. It's, like, just to, like, validate the match, to, like, add something onto it and, like, like simulate, you know, a real tournament set as, as closely as possible.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. That's also why I do money matches against better players whenever I have the chance. But in Europe, I guess people just, they just want to play friendlies with you. Because mm-hmm. we always have so many setups like our setups to players ratio is so insanely good that you can usually just like walk around the corner and you're gonna find a free setup there and then you can just play friendlies for two hours. So like putting putting money in front of a TV in order to show that's a money match so that people don't bother you isn't really a thing here because there's so many TVs anyways. So yeah I can people maybe just don't see it as necessary uh, in order to get good practice. But I think they should do it because I know for sure that the better players in Europe, they're more likely to play you if you give them money. That's like that's a very obvious thing to do. Uh, Just like you can either play a bad player for free or you can play them and like make
0: five dollars. Why not take the dollars? You know? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you're right about that. Like I hear amazing stuff from any of the European majors about setup availability because you saw Genesis like you kind of had to like hustle your way into a tv sometimes
1: yeah for sure the thing is that in uh all the us majors i've attended so don't park and shine uh people like people always do winner stays on setups so even if there's like four people playing singles rotation on one setup which never happens in europe ever i've never seen that before here Mm -hmm. uh if you're just the best player on the setup you can just continue playing and i didn't even realize that because in europe you just always rotate Because we want, you know, we're all about helping the poor, helping Mm -hmm. the bad players, giving everyone equal opportunity and stuff. But at Genesis, I was like, damn, I can't even warm up anywhere. There's three players on each setup. I don't even know what to do. But then I just sat down as the fourth player on the TV, and I just won every friendly, so I could just continue playing and stay warmed up. But it took me way too long to realize that I could just do
0: that. (laughs) Yeah, that's so interesting. And though I really like how... You know, it's it's rotation in in the European scene as well, um, but I guess like having the availability of setups is is super helpful too. Whenever I play like or do fests, um, I always like doing a uh, best of three rotation. So at least there's like you can get some games in a row if like so you can make some quick adjustments between a game one, game one and game two
1: yeah that's a very good idea i think winner stays is optimal if you have three players who are all very close in skill because then you can you know everyone really tries to win and you get close games and people are way more likely to try their best but if it's just like triff and then three other round one pools fodder players then he's just gonna slaughter them for an hour and they're not gonna learn as much and they're not gonna be able to play as much so yeah, mm-hmm. I think the fact that we have more setups here usually um, makes it so that it's it's way easier to just go to a setup as two people and not have anyone join you. And it's also uh, more likely that you're going to find people who are on your level that you can play with. But yeah, the idea of winner stays is a bit weird. Because usually if I was the one to su- to suggest it, then I'd just mm-hmm. get like weird looks and be like, you just want to play more, that's not fair. And it's true, like... Uh, just playing rotation is technically the most fair thing, but I also understood at, at Genesis why it's almost necessary sometimes in the US, because if there aren't as many setups, then the people who are still in bracket have less opportunity to stay warmed up. Mm-hmm. So then being able to go on a on a three-man setup or a two-man setup and just continue playing because they keep winning uh, is a very good way for them to stay warmed up while also giving other
0: players uh, good practice against them. Yeah. You know what's super funny about the winner stays idea with friendlies and stuff like that is I remember I was at a local one time in Jersey and um you know because like hacks like it has the box, he doesn't really need to rest his hands anymore.
1: <laughs> nor yeah. does he
0: ever. Uh he won a tournament without standing up. Like he just sat in <laughs> one chair, played a match, and then oh, someone would it's hop onto so friendlies. He would warm up and then play his next match, and then that would happen for like the next two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> I see this as a challenge. Oh my god, I have to try this. Yeah, no, because I actually ended up playing him in Grand Finals. I'm like, do you want to play on this TV? I have my recording set up already. And, he, and in true meme hacks fashion, he goes, "Yo, can we, can we play on <laughs> the setup? I haven't, I haven't, I haven't stand up since since we got here." And I'm just like fuck god
1: damn it hacks fine (laughs) i love everyone's hacks impression they're all so
0: good they just say yo and it's so funny (laughs) (laughs) i can't believe it dude i yeah i think the hacks impression is yeah a lot of a lot of people have a good hacks impression though nico's triff impression at summit was that was so wild i think i actually tweeted about that because
1: it was so good because I saw that Nico was playing against Spark or someone, and then after he played the set, he went to, like, talk about the set on the mic, and then he said some stuff about Peach vs. Cheek in, in, uh, in his Triff impression, and I was, like, playing on a CRT while listening to the audio, and I was like, yo, wait, what did Triff just say? And then I looked at it, and Triff wasn't even there. Like, he was sitting on the side, but I didn't even <laughs> say anything. I was like, no way.
0: Nico was so good at that. I know. Nico has low-key, really good impressions. He has a good DA West impression, actually. Um, and But the laugh is what got me. He got, like, the Triff laugh, like, so well. <laughs> yeah, Triff has an amazing laugh, and he laughs so much. Sometimes when I talk to him, like, his English
1: is really good, but sometimes, yeah. you know, he, he needs to, to repeat something once or twice. And then and sometimes I'll say something, and then he'll laugh out really loud, and then he'll ask, wait, what did he say? <laughs> Because he just laughs, because that's his natural reaction to stuff. He doesn't even have to understand
0: what I'm saying. He just laughs. It's so great. Yeah, I know. I I always love when Triff visits it visits the U.S. Because I've housed him a few times in New York, and it's it's been fun. It's been really good to do, get to know him and and a lot of other European players. Yeah, I wish um, there was like another tournament
1: where all of the European good players just flew out and then all tried their best because we had something like that at Don Park in 2018 when mm-hmm. Aiden was kind enough to fly out like I don't know like six European players or something it was some of the Austrians so uh Timmy and Glory and also Cardano to the controller stuff it was uh Frenzy and Prof then I was there as well Triff was there I'm pretty sure no I don't think he was I don't think Triff was there but yeah uh it was super sick because we we're just staying at the same place for like a full week and uh, then zamu and none other very good players were also staying at the same place it was just so cool and then we all got sick a few days before Dawn park and we all <laughs> did horribly but oh, it was no. still so much
0: fun because i remember when triff and over came to long island for the for omega um I yeah think it was last year or a year and a half ago and and that was really cool to to see but definitely i, I hope that more europeans come out i just know it's so hard for you guys to get over here and especially to the west coast right yeah uh
1: flying out to the west coast is is rough in the sense that you need to fly out pretty early because if you if you get there on like friday afternoon then like if you if your plane lands at like 3 p.m california time then it's gonna be like i don't know very early in the morning for you Mm -hmm. and so your sleep schedule will be super messed up And then you'll have to stay up for like 35 hours straight if you want to fix it right away and you're not going to fix it by sleeping for eight hours one night you're still going to feel really tired the next day so you basically have to fly out two or three days in advance then you need to find housing or like an airbnb for those days which can make it even more expensive and if you really want to make it worth it then you pretty much have to stay for at least two weeks and attend two tournaments because only flying out to one tournament like Genesis and then not even having enough time to get used to the time zone and then doing poorly is pretty bad for you. Because as a European player, you're going to be judged by the few US tournaments that you're able to attend. If you beat like Professor Pro and like over Triforce at two European majors in the summer, then people are usually not even going to notice. It's just whatever to them. Even though it's the only good players you could beat, if you do it, there's still not gonna really care about it too much and that's also one of the few reasons why I uh, managed to just barely make top 100 last year because I only went to one year to one US major shine and I did pretty well there like I beat Elber to ended up being ranked in the 30s I think I also beat Boyd and like a few other good players but I still just like barely made it even though I did really well in Europe too so yeah if you ever have the chance to fly out to the US then you either have either gonna have to go to the east coast where the time zone difference isn't that intense and where the flights are usually also a bit cheaper because it's closer or you're gonna have to stay for a while which isn't always easy to do if you work full-time or if you're a full-time student yeah
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that definitely that definitely is super tough i hope that like yeah, I feel like more U.S. players should go out, especially like the East Coast players should try to go out to European majors more so. Like I know Joy Boy went out. Yeah, know, Bobby the Big Balls. One. Yeah, Bobby
1: Big Balls came to Fed as well, uh, which was just before Super Boo. It was kind of sick. Mm-hmm. Joyboy, I played a lot against Joy Boy at Super Boo. He's, he's really nice. He's also really good.
0: Yeah, he's a really he's a really nice guy. But yeah, that's definitely the tough thing that you and like a lot of other European players have expressed with like even you know as you said the ranking like you got 83rd in uh for this year for the mpgr i guess that's what it's called yeah now. um yeah i, keep, I always want to say me but
1: yeah it's it's different
0: now it's weird yeah but you're right that like you know a lot of people like like you guys have like a very strong scene within europe even though it's more spread out of course and like some really good players like you know obviously we saw prison in, in at summit and he he got sort of the attention that he deserved as like you and a lot of other people helped campaign for him and like vouch for him yeah it was great he did really well i'm proud of him
1: uh i was just thinking about how much better it would be if the uk wasn't an island if i could just go there by train because then i wouldn't have to like get to the nearest airport and then i could just play prof sechi and frenzy all the time that would help so much but yeah i mean europe in itself isn't as big like just you know from distance wise as the us but it can still be harder to get to certain places just because you know it's more split up like getting to scandinavia can be hard because you basically have to get flights getting to the uk can be hard in the same way So even though the distances aren't as long, it's still sometimes not as easy to make it out to some of the bigger tournaments.
0: So for you, like, what were some of the, like, ways that you have to, like, change your practice compared to, like, you know, the US where you might have a little bit more accessibility uh, finding those players and not being, like, having to, like, take flights or anything? Because you're a really good player, you know, like, you know, you (laughs) rocked me at Shine and took my money (laughs) at Genesis, so. I really appreciated that, yeah.
1: Uh, But yeah, um, the thing is, it is kind of hard to compare because I can only base it on what I see from other top US players. So like if I watch Zane, then he's basically always playing another really good player on a stream all the time. Um, So I suppose if you have very good practice or very good internet and can just net play very good players all the time, then you can just learn by playing a lot But I personally, my internet has been really bad the last one and a half years, basically. So whenever I play netplay, it's just playing against really bad players on Smash Ladder, because no one of the good players want to bother with the intense lag. So I usually learn by uh, just watching good players play. And whenever I see something I haven't seen before, then I think about it a lot, try to figure out when it's good and why it's good and when i do get the chance to play people either at my local which has like between five and ten people usually or on netplay then i just try to focus on that one specific thing to see how good it is and how i can use it for myself so it's it's more learning by absorbing what other people do um and then adding my own flavor here and there like the few things that i can figure out myself Because it's hard. If you don't get to play against good players often, then you might, like, create a new cool combo for yourself. But then you play against Sechi and he just holds down, slides off on everything you do. Then you realize that all you've been doing actually doesn't work. So then you have to figure out a new way to do it. So for me, it's easier to just try to copy what other people do and then really use the practice I get against bad players in order to make me make my own play as
0: clean as possible. How do you use your local scene as, as practice for the bigger stages? So it's just refining what
1: I think could be good. And you know, if you're playing against someone who you're much better than, then you can still try to beat them as hard as possible every time. Like even though I've won the last 100 iterations of my local without losing a game with different characters, I still know that I can play better every time, and I just want to beat them as hard as possible while not resorting to options that only work against bad players, if you know what I mean. Like, there's certain things, like if I'm playing Fox against a a mediocre Falco, I can just follow up in place and win every time, but I know it's not going to work against decent players, so I want to treat them like they're really, really good players and give them as much respect as I would give other. Uh, top players and then see how well i do playing against those people it also helps me in the way that i've started giving more and more advice to the people in my region and just talking to them and then trying to teach them the game helps me a lot with my own understanding of the game because it makes me rethink if the things i'm saying are true and how to best convey them to people who might not be aware of those concepts and that helps me a lot in Figuring out my own approach to what I think
0: is valuable in melee as a skill and what isn't. I really like that idea of like kind of playing, forcing yourself to like play at that higher level even if the other player isn't forcing you to, like holding yourself to a certain standard of play.
1: Yeah, it's very easy if you've gone to the same local with the same like five to ten people every time and there isn't even any money on the line. It's very easy to just, like, not enter or not go to the event at all or play stupid characters, which I've, like, I've done, but not to mess around, but to actually understand those characters. So, I don't know, it's it's possible. You don't
0: have to play against top 10 players every week to get good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super interesting, like, but it's so interesting to hear, especially just coming from New York. Right? Like it's such a different environment where I can like I'm a subway ride away from like hacks, Rishi, Smuckers, Ryobeat and like a lot of other players.
1: It's definitely not easy mentally to know that other people just have a weekly in their region that is more stacked than any tournament on your continent that you're gonna to go to this year. It's like damn. I really wish I was there. But on the other hand, if I ever go to these locals, like if I'm ever in New York, then I'm going to be able to appreciate it even more. Then it's going to be like pure heaven for me. So I don't know. I'm I think complaining too much doesn't help. Uh, I still get to enjoy the game here. Uh, If my Internet ever gets decent, then I can probably still netplay some very good players. Like yesterday, I played Frenzy on netplay for the first time in like a year and it it was a bit laggy and ate buffer, but it was fine, so that felt really good and If I just can do that more often then I think uh my my improvement for this year
0: uh is probably gonna be pretty good, yeah, and you know if you're ever in New York, you're always welcome to to crash and stuff like that, so just you know, yeah actually that out my, of the my...
1: way. yeah that's. Very nice of you, thank you. I'll definitely take you up on that. Because my girlfriend was saying that she m- might want to uh, spend New Year's Eve this year, uh, not in Germany. So I was like, huh, we could go to New York under, uh, under the condition that I get to attend a few of the locals there. So <laughs> maybe that's going to happen. But hopefully I yeah. can make it out to New York even earlier than December. Because it's like if I'm going to go to the US, then New York is one of the easier goals to reach one of the easier destinations.
0: Yeah, with with like all the airports and everything. Yeah, it'd be cool to see you over here and yeah, always always happy to. What's cool is also Ryobeat and Smuckers, along with three other Smashers, live together. Yeah, I heard about that. That sounds really so, fun. Yeah, so you'll have a lot of a lot of fun if you ever come. But talking about this year, you know, I know you mentioned Uh, you know you mentioned earlier that like teaching other players have like really helped you try to understand and cement a lot of your ideas and that you also want to get into like content creating and helping other players and you know kind of doing you know helping the you know the European community as as well as like goals for this year do you want to you know get into a little bit more details about that like I'd love to hear your kind of goals and thoughts on that
1: yeah, sure. Um, I've realized that most of the top players who do coaching and like analysis, they're all really good. And the anal- analysis they do is on a pretty high level. So a lot of the low and mid-level players I talk to, they don't even know how to begin to grasp those things. Like I watched some of the IBDW analysis and like Armada analysis as well on some uh, matches and there's just too much stuff and too advanced stuff for some of the people in my region to truly understand and implement those things so what i've realized and what i want to do is i want to explain very basic concepts of the game to uh both newer players and then also players who've been playing for a while who just haven't been improving as quickly as they maybe wish they did so i feel like there's like a, a gap in the market there so my the entire idea idea I had started off with uh, watch, re-watching a set of mine, and I did like a power shield up tilt on someone's getup attack from the ledge, and then the commentator started saying stuff about, yo, sick power shield, it has no shields done, and then he can do whatever. And I was like, no, that is not true. And then I started looking out for that thing, and every single commentator in the entire world keeps saying wrong stuff about power shields, So now I've written out an an entire script for a video on how power shielding a physical attack actually works. And then also I wanted to do a quick video series on how to apply those things. And that's already way more advanced than the other stuff I wanted to do. Um, Furthermore, I wanted to start doing actual lessons for people. I'm not sure uh, if there's even any demand for that. From what I've seen at German tournaments, a lot of people have said that they would love to have me as their coach and they're also willing to pay for it. So I'm I'll probably try that out and see if I can use the money to fly out to more US tournaments. And yeah, I'm just gonna do it similarly to Drug Fox where I coach people that I uh upload the VODs of the coaching for my other students, so they can watch it as well. And then uh furthermore I wanted to do very simple guides on uh, specific situations like Fox's up uh Peach's up throw against Fox at zero percent, how it actually works, or like How Falco can beat Peach's float in neutral. Because those are things that just. Those are the reasons why all the low level Falcos lose to Peach. They just don't know how to deal with Peach floating above laser height. So if you just fix that one thing, then they're gonna have a way better understanding of the game, and it's also gonna lead to them understanding other matchups way better, because it's gonna teach them about threat ranges, about where their own character is strong, where it isn't. So just getting into all that would probably help out a lot of players, but I'd also be happy if there's just like two or three people who are interested, because I just love talking about the game. I don't care if
0: ten people watch it or a thousand. I just want to play melee. The power shield video sounds really cool. I'll be honest, I don't know how power shields work, so I'm definitely yeah, gonna be watching that. The amount of times like a fox has nared into
1: Marth, and the Marth just spams shield grab as they always do. And then a commentator goes, Oh, sick power shield grab. Like, no. He pressed R and A. He would have done that either way. The power shield mattered 0%. Like nothing changed due to the fact that it was a power shield. He could have just regular shield grabbed and the fuck still would have died. <laughs> and I never want to hear that sentence ever again. Oh my god. So as you can tell, I'm very enthusiastic about that.
0: Yeah, but that's that's the best part. Like, I mean, Making content that, like, you're just excited about and, like, is is the best way to go about it. I mean, like, for example, like, this podcast, like, you know, I kind of just did it because I love talking about Melee and, and, you know, I found, you know, one of my friends who kind of is in the same situation where, like, we're both in our mid-20s trying to balance, like, work and Melee and and everything else. Mm -hmm. And so, like, we kind of just, like, talk an hour and catch up every, like, an hour once a week about this and like debrief about our week and stuff and sometimes it's like we talk about melee sometimes we talk about how our job relates to melee or how it won't let us play enough melee or yeah (laughs) or stuff like that and you know it's been really fun to create and you know anything that you're enthusiastic to make there there's always going to be a group of people that will want to listen or watch
1: yeah it's uh i basically i have a I've, I have history and content creation, because in like 2017, 2018, as I was just getting better, um, I used to do a video series where I would recap the bigger uh, bigger German tournaments that happened. So like talking about who beat whom and what was unexpected and stuff like that. And at that point, it was really interesting to me because I was just starting to get better. So I would hype up all those players in the video and then the next month I would beat all of them So I would feel even better about myself. But it also, uh, all the German players said that they really enjoyed it. Um, And that when I stopped doing it, I got a lot of messages like, yo, can you please continue? But it was just a lot of work. And um, there was a period where there weren't any interesting tournaments, in my opinion. So I just stopped doing it during that period. And then I didn't ever pick it up again. Because I feel like the people who are going to watch a video like that, they're usually already aware of what's going on in the scene and the demand for it isn't as big and it's probably not going to grow so I wanted to do stuff that that reaches like that's interesting to everyone to everyone who might care about it and not just like locally based stuff because if you want to recap a tournament then you know someone can just make a tweet about it like the melee uh, stats people are doing I don't have to spend five hours making a whole video on it So yeah, I just want to make practical content
0: that people can apply right away when they play the game. Yeah, that is... I think that's so important because I'm like... What's funny is that I I moved jobs like probably in September and there was ironically a Smash Club there. Oh, uh, sick. Yeah, and so I brought in a CRT and some of them knew how to play Melee, but I'm teaching a lot of my coworkers like who don't know a lot about the scene or uh, like the minute details on how to like get better at the game and that's been such an interesting experience to try to teach someone from kind of the ground up have you wobbled them yet i've not wobbled them i truth people <laughs> i don't know that's the funny how to part
1: <laughs> it's so easy oh my gosh i i promise you 2 minutes of practicing you can do it Alright. Two minutes. That's what it took me. Just just try it out. If you're ever playing against Pikachu Game 5 on FD, you just go Icy's and you literally have to spend two minutes practicing how to wobble and then you're gonna win.
0: It's really that easy. Alright, I'll do it. I'll try to learn it after after sometime this weekend and I'll tweet at you. Okay, yeah. Tweet, tweet it out, please. Alright. I'm gonna hype you up. <laughs> yeah, this this wobble skill. I'll, I'll do it left-handed. Woo! Uh... <laughs> But, yo, it's been super fun. Like, I'm learning different characters. I've been playing a lot of, like, Sheik and Pikachu. Uh, but, yeah, it's super fun, like, seeing what they get, what they un- don't understand. And sometimes, like, I don't know if you ever catch yourself, like, talking, like, being like, okay, like, they're not ready to know about this yet. Because I'll start talking and be like, like, oh, okay, like, you have to watch out for this. But then there's this. And I'm like, wait, like, this is too... You're not ready for this yet.
1: Yeah, Um. I... After I uh, finished school, I spent a year working uh, with children, like just uh, primary school children who would come to that, that one place after school. And then, you know, I'd spend like uh, four hours with them. So I helped them with homework a lot. And I think that kind of helped me in that sense, because I just had to really focus on what they are capable of understanding and what not. So now whenever I talk to someone about Melee... Especially when I've when I'm playing them while doing so, it feels really natural to me. Uh, what they're what they're able to understand and what's too much for them. So just keeping it simple is very very important, especially for beginners, because obviously everything there's always a mix-up. You can play one specific situation a billion different a billion different ways. So just realizing what the level one and level two options are. And not going too deep into it is, in my opinion, one of the most important things to, you know, help low-level players. Because a lot of the time it's just figuring out that one thing in order to win a set. Because I, I have a local Foggle player who would continue losing to Peach. And the Peach would only just float above laser height and then forward air him. So then I'm just, just like, okay, if she's floating at that height, you just stop lasering and turn your back. And now he's going to win. Like, that's all it took. You don't even have to talk about yeah, but then you can do that, and you can do that if you do that. It doesn't matter. You're just trying to help low-level players beat other low-level players. If they want to get better, you can still explain all the other stuff to them, but in the beginning, you don't need much.
0: Do you think that there's uh with teaching like newer players? Do you think there's a right way to go about? It? So I know you're talking about like the level one, but level two. But like, what about like the skills that like the soft skills that kind of go a long way like being able to not necessarily like have super fast reactions but like understanding like how to watch the screen and how to watch what's going on you know in front of you uh do you mean like when it comes to very new players um maybe like players who have been playing for you know a little bit they can kind of do the basic like wave dashes and you know basic combos but still relatively new. Yeah,
1: so I think I think everyone can get at, can get good at melee. Like I don't think my reaction times are that great, but even people with bad reaction time can get really good at tech chasing if they just practice it enough. So I think if you teach people how to learn, then it's gonna help them so much. What I start off by saying is that whenever they lose a stock, they should think about how they got hit in neutral before they lost the stock. And then for the next few stocks, only focus on that one situation and try to play it different ways and figure out what works for them and what doesn't. And if they still can't figure it out, then they should ask someone else how to do it. And then the next time they play, they should still focus on that one thing until it gets fixed. So giving people a baseline on how they can figure out their own mistakes is really important yeah
0: and do you do you think that's like what you did to improve as a player so like i'm i'm really curious on like your origin story and kind of rise to you know where you are now right like rank globally number one in germany like what what's sort of your origin story and like you know when did you sort of learn this on on the way um actually that that entire mindset i got from playing the of legends
1: because I, I was never like I was always pretty good at that game, but I never played too much. I preferred watching streams, and I started playing that game when I was like thirteen. I could barely speak English back then, but I pretty much learned how to speak English and how to get good at games in that game. Because whenever I would die in that game, uh, a lot of players just want to say, "Yeah, my teammate messed up. He should have done that." But whenever you die, you yourself made some kind of mistake. You always could have could have avoided it. And I kind of carried that over to Melee in the sense that whenever I lost a stock I would think about okay, I lost the stock because that happened and if it happens again, next time I want to do something else. So that's like what my general idea is whenever I play against anyone and the idea I've had in the beginning as well. It's kind of hard to apply because sometimes you just don't know what the solution could be. But if you watch the game enough and just think about the game enough, then you're usually going to have a good, like, you're going to have enough ideas in your head that you can then apply to different situations. Whenever I play a game, I'm very into it. Like, I only, I've only played, like, five different video games in the last ten years or something like that. Because when I play a game, I, like, I play the game, you know, I'm going to play it for years and years until I'm really good at it. Or until I get super bored of it. But that usually just doesn't happen. So I'm always... Like, I am I visit both subreddits for Smash Bros. Like the Melee one and the general one. Though the general one is like more of an ultimate uh, forum now. But yeah, in the beginning I would just go on there. And I wouldn't even type anything. I would just read what people have to say about the game. And then try to pick up on as much as possible there. And... uh yeah, just like using using the people who are already good to your advantage helps a ton because you don't have to reinvent the wheel to get good at melee. You just have to play Fox or like a Spacey and then just have good tech skill. That's like enough to get onto any PR. When I talk about tech skill, I'm talking about like good punish game because punish game, once you hit someone, you can just do the same thing over and over. You don't have to, you know, do any crazy brain work. You're just gonna know. Okay, I grabbed this guy on FD. I'm just gonna grab him ten more times, and he's gonna die. It's not that complicated. You just have to practice. So when I started playing Fox, because I started playing Falco, and then I switched to Fox because I just wanted to press buttons a bit faster. And
0: a tale as old as time. Fa- Falco switched to Fox.
1: Yeah, it was like it was pretty quickly. Uh, I was already getting pretty good with Falco. I was already like uh, winning some of the locals in my city. But I kept playing both characters just because I wanted to, you know, go on battlefield, run around doing tech skill with both both characters. But I realized that if I want to get really good, I have to stick to one of them. And, you know, like 2016, people were saying, yeah, Fox is the best by far, beats everyone 70-30. Just play Fox and win. I was like, yeah, I guess I'll play Fox. But I'm not going to lie. Whenever I play certain matchups... The Falco in me still calling for me to pull him back out. But I have to refuse doing that every time because I know it's going to be bad for me in the long term.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, if you're playing a character like that, then you can just do the guaranteed stuff and focus on not missing the things you shouldn't miss. Like if you up throw another Fox as Fox, then you should always know what you have to do no matter where your dies. is. And then you don't have to you know, B, you don't have to be creative or anything, you just have to watch other people do it, and then see what you think is best, and then do that again.
0: Yeah. That's definitely true, like, not needing to reinvent the wheel, and that's actually what I was really curious about, is whether you Melee was, like, your first foray into, like, competitive video games, or anything like that, or, or not, because for me, it was completely, like, I didn't, like, I played casually and I liked video games, but... I never played anything else competitively. I, I rode in high school and played rugby in college, uh, but what were the other games that you played? You said League of Legends. I'm um, so melee's one. So what are the other three? Um,
1: I played a ton of Minecraft, starting from 2011, but I wouldn't play that competitively. I usually would just play single player by myself, and then I would run around gathering resources, and even because I'm really really bad at building stuff. I would just gather resources for hours and then not use them. So (laughs) (laughs) it was really fun just like mining for diamonds and then getting them and then not knowing what to do with them. (laughs) Uh, And I still love doing that. Like whenever I have exams coming up, my brain wants me to play Minecraft for some reason, even though I'm just going to create a new world, do the same things I've done 20 times, not build anything. Then I'm going to quit again. But yeah, I like that game. Um, Yeah. Then I've like, I, that I've that i tried playing a lot of games, but I've only managed to finish Breath of the Wild. And that took me like one and a half years of on and off playing. Cause after, you know, two or three days of playing, I just, I wouldn't be able to play for a day. And I would just have my switch in the corner for the next six months. And then I'd be like, oh damn, I have to finish this game. It was kind of fun. And then I play it again, but I'd always just go back to melee as quickly as possible.
0: Mm. Yeah, and how did you discover Melee? Like, when, like, what brought you into the scene?
1: Um, So, as a lot of people have, I played casually. Uh, one of my first video game memories is actually uh, me and my brother sneaking to my cousin's house and playing Smash 64 there, uh, which, is, which was not like, tw- 2003 or something like that, because uh, our parents wouldn't allow it, because they said that Smash made us violent and angry. Which was true because my cousin kept hitting us whenever he lost. Uh, it was kind of hilarious, actually. But yeah, um, I also played a ton of melee later on with my brothers. Um, we just always play on a high rule with like only doing forward smashes and rolls. Mm-hmm. That's like literally all we did. Um, and then I didn't play for a while. I played Brawl with a friend in. Uh, as soon as I got out of primary school for a bit, but I never played like competitively. I also didn't play League of Legends competitively. Like, I was pretty good at it, but I never saw myself ever entering in any tournaments or something like that. Uh, I also played tennis for a lot of my life, and I was pretty decent at that. Uh, eventually I stopped because I, I just didn't want to waste my weekends playing uh, every weekend. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to meet up with my friends. It was probably a bad choice, but it it was fine back then. Um, then eventually I saw this Smash documentary because there was like a Reddit post of a picture where there's like two cartoon kids sitting on a couch and there's like bubbles above their head showing their thought process. And one of them has all these complex inputs in his head that he wants to do. The other one only has a picture of Captain Falcon doing a Falcon punch in his head.
0: Oh, the it's classic. Like brute forcing.
1: Yeah, just like brute forcing his way through everything. And then I read the comments of that, and someone was like, Yo, check out this sick documentary if you're interested in Smash Bros. And then I watched that uh, within like one day. And I was like, Damn, this is pretty fun. Then a few months later, I started. uh I got a Wii and I downloaded Project M. And I practiced wave dashing and L canceling in Project M as Roy, because I loved Roy back when I was playing Melee casually.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and then eventually I figured out that there actually was a local scene in my city. But I was like, damn, these people are all going to be so good. I have to practice so much before I, have to, before I feel ready to go there. So I just practiced a lot of Texco and Melee as Falco. And the first time I went there, I think the worst, first time I went to my local, I beat like two or three players already. Then I was like, wait a minute, this is easy. What the hell, this is free. And then, I don't know, like two or three months later... I think I won my first local, which is like those locals had like 13 people every time and then one time our top three players weren't there, so I got a free win. And then I realized, damn, my first goal was to win one of these weeklies, but this is so easy. And at that same point, I realized that I've been good at a lot of things in my life, but I've never really tried to be the best at any of those. So when I found out about Melee and I realized that I love the game and it means so much to me, even though I haven't even been playing competitively for long. I set myself some goals that I wanted to reach in order to prove to myself that I don't have I don't just have potential, but I can actually achieve stuff if I want to, because I was kind of liking something that I can put a lot of effort into that would give me a big reward for you know trying really hard. and that's also what melee means to me right now. It's just an outlet for me where I can prove to myself that i I have something that is special. I can be good at something if I want to. Because sometimes if you're just going to school, maybe you don't care too much. Maybe, I don't know. You don't have other stuff in your life that you can be competitive in. Then having something where you can put pull your heart out into and then see how good you get and
0: then reaching your goals feels really really good. Damn, that's fucking beautiful. <laughs> and thank you. Yeah, no, but that's so true for like so many, so many people. Like, you know, similar to me, like uh I was always like I mean kind of the same thing, kind of the same boat where it was like I was always just missing out on like the 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 team, you know, either the rugby or the crew one, like either like fifth best rower for the like a four or four person boat or mm. or whatever, and I was always missing that, and like yeah, so melee was like kind of like where I saw it, and I was like, maybe I could try it with this, and it's it's kind of you know never looking back after that, but you know, I, even times now where I kind of know what I'm capable of only because I've seen it done in Melee. And I know then I can, like, apply it to other things. Like, you know, I think my parents were, you know... A little personal, my parents, like, just for some reason don't think I'm that disciplined of a person. But then, like, when uh-huh. I know... But it's, like, more of, like, a am I interested in what I'm trying to do? You know, like, if I'm yeah. interested in it... I know I'll pull out all the stops and I know I'm capable of that. And I only know that because of Melee. So like, you know, now that I have like a job that I really enjoy, I'm not worried about, you know, putting in work or whatever, because like, I know that it's the same thing. It's just like Melee.
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be super relatable for a lot of people, uh, me included, because, you know, I go to university right now, but I only started studying what i'm studying right now because i didn't really know what else to do and you know in germany you can do that because you're not going to go bankrupt uh going to university in america it might be different but here uh it's fairly simple to just start studying something and then if you don't like it you can still stop or just switch to a different subject but it's always you're always looking for something that you can be as passionate about as you are with melee and maybe that's a too high of a bar to set for yourself because melee is more of a hobby like a free time thing that you can just enjoy and have fun with whereas you're going to have to find something that you are willing to do long term and it's not always going to be as fun as melee but it could probably still be fun so yeah i think just realizing that melee is great and you need to it would be great to find something else that is as great in your
0: real life yeah, and there's so many ways to apply it to, like, even, I don't know if you ever saw, do you remember, um, or have you ever seen the Cactuar Zoo video of, like, the world's coolest thing? I have not, no. Um, I- I'll link it to you afterwards, but, you know, they're kind of like, I guess someone made a mini-doc when Zoo and Cactuar a few years ago lived together in Philly about their coolest thing in the world, and obviously it was Melee. Easy answer. <laughs> uh Mild shock. My- <laughs> Yeah, jaw dropped. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in shambles right now. Um but pretty much like you know, Zoo and Carter talked about like how it's affected them outside of, you know, just in regular life and how like for example, like I think Zoo talked about like being a little bit nervous like like you know, public speaking and stuff like that and like you know, now it's sort of like he brought you know, nothing because like nothing is harder than like playing a match with a bunch of people yelling behind you in a sweaty basement you know (laughs) yeah we all know that yeah but it's so cool how it like transfers how yeah kind of melee's taught us a lot of how to approach things which is really interesting
1: yeah for sure it taught
0: me personally a
1: lot about um First of all, one thing I noticed very recently because I had my exams uh, two weeks ago, I realized like as I sat down for the exam they were starting to hand out the exam papers, everyone around me was like visibly shaking and I was just sitting there like damn, this is, this is nothing compared to playing losers top 12 and the winner makes top 8 at air, like this is this is no level of stress at all like i was so relaxed that was so crazy because i used to get really nervous as well before exams but now it's like unless i'm playing for like top 8 at genesis or whatever i'm just relaxed i'm just chill (laughs) i'm just enjoying
0: the moment yeah that's so cool i mean yeah i mean it's so important like how that affects you outside do you think there's any other do you think? aside from nervousness and like being able to handle that stress, what are some of the other things you've noticed how melee sort of changed the way you act outside of it? Hmm, That's a good question.
1: Let me think for a second.
0: Yeah, no worries. Um, Take your
1: time. Huh. I think it helped me realizing in what I need to improve at something. Because uh, it showed me that if I want to get good at something, then I, you know, there's like intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. So either like motivation that comes from deep within you that just makes you want to do it. And then there's also, you know, other factors from outside that, that are like looming above your head that are like, you know, you have to go to school, you have to do well there. And, you know, figuring out how to motivate yourself from within for other things uh, makes other stuff so much more fun. Because I used to go to school and like university, because I felt like I had to. That's just what you do if you want to, you know, be a quote-unquote successful person. Um, Then I realized, no, I'm not doing this to, you know, be the successful person that I thought I would have to be. I'm doing this because I am supposed to like it, and I do now. And I'm doing it because it is what is good for me, and it's going to pay off in the end. So melee in the end just helped me realize that sometimes you have to do what's not fun in the short term in order to have fun in the long term. So basically, it's kind of like learning the ice climbers matchup. You have to play against ICs for a bit to figure out what they do, and you're gonna get wobbled a lot. But once you do, you're not gonna to have to worry about ICs and run-, run pools too much anymore. Yeah, I mean you show that you beat Boyd at Shine. Yeah, because uh, the best player in my my region is another ICs, uh, and I usually I usually play him as Fox, but I can beat him with most characters just because I understand how he plays and how ICs work so well now. So it's really relaxing whenever I have to play an ICs. It's like oh damn, I w- this is so much better than playing like a Marth or a Falco on a best of three. I'd much rather take ICs and like if I'm down, I can just camp platforms for two minutes and then figure out what I want to do get my mindset straight again yeah yeah it's pretty chill we need to talk because I think that's outright my worst matchup <laughs> yeah a lot of a lot of people in Germany actually uh, ask me for ICS warm-up whenever they have to play uh, the ICS for my region his name is fatman spam he's also ranked in Germany he's like fifth or something like that he's pretty good and since I also play ICS myself and I understand the character pretty well people always ask me for matchup advice on how to play against ICS and how to abuse them the best so i've got i've got some stuff i can tell you
0: yeah yeah we'll we'll talk off off yeah. script about that funny enough i live with a marth player so i'm probably more comfortable with marth as funny as it is and the and fox because i play hacks probably most weeks now at this point so when i play oh yeah other right. players i'm just like all right well it can't be as bad as like getting somehow wave shined <laughs> across in a fox Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know how hex does that. <laughs> I know it's it's so crazy um all right, so I actually have a closing you know question for you as we're as we're rounding out the hour and yeah sure uh you know this is something you know i I always end up talking about it with like you know people that I do the one v one series with, but what do you think is your first like defining moment that made you love melee? It made me love melee.
1: Um I'm do you mean like competitively as a competitor or just the game in general?
0: As like a competitor, when you were like, I'm hooked on this game, and like wanna keep improving and wanna keep grinding and will do anything to kinda improve.
1: Um okay, so When I first started playing, uh, just before I went to my first weekly in my city, I watched a bigger German tournament, which had most of the German top 10 players in attendance. And I was watching those players, I was like, oh my god, they're so good, it's so crazy. And I was dreaming of ever being in in that top 10 ever. I was like, damn, if I could do that, and that would be so sick. Then I went to my first local, and I beat like a few players and I thought damn these guys are all so good and I just beat them how why is it so easy and that's when I realized that there's this deep hunger in me to show all these players that they're not that good like they're good and I I love them and it's great that they have fun with the game and so do I but I just realized that no one is unbeatable and as you the beautiful thing about the game is that you start off as a bad player, and you want to beat, like, other bad players around your level. And once you're good enough to beat them, you realize that the next level is really, really close, and then you want to beat those players. And since I already started off with a fairly high goal, and I reached that really quickly, I was like, damn, I can just I can just shoot for the top. And I'm, if I try my best and I put in the work, then I can probably get there fairly quickly, and I'm going to have so much fun doing it. So, yeah, I think the first time I... Uh, Went to my local, and then also the first time I won the local a few months later, those were the defining moments, I'm pretty sure.
0: That's, that's amazing. Yeah, I feel like everyone has, like, those, those stories. Like, mine was beating, like, becoming number one in my college PR the first time, when, like, no one else really grinded. and I was the only one super tryhard because I started out, you know, I'm blessed now with New York City, but I, I grew, I, I started in upstate New York. So no one was there really. Everyone was super spread out. Um, hmm. And I was the only one tryharding in my college, but I still wanted to like tryhard and like that's just, I like being a tryhard.
1: <laughs> yeah. I
0: love it too. It's so great. So when I finally got one, like I remember like getting a little teary eyed because like it was just like, let's go. So, definitely know the feeling. And, you know, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me. It was really fun.
0: Yeah, it was super, super fun. I'm hoping, you know, I'll see you in New York sometime and we can hang out and, and we can play. You're always welcome, as I said.
1: I'll do my best to make it happen. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Any shout-outs before we close?
1: Shout-outs to, I don't know, everyone. Shoutouts to everyone, yeah.
0: That's great. Let's fucking go. <laughs> Shoutouts to everyone. <laughs> Alright, well, thank you again, Nikki, and uh, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, see you around.